Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. I am one of three hosts, DM Neil, a.k.a. Jote Maniac. And I am DM Chris, a.k.a. DM Chris. And I'm DM Mitch. Yeah, that's it. We're all here, which, I mean, Woo! you've probably guessed it from the title already, but we're doing a creation and inspiration. Neil, you said it's been like a couple episodes since we've done this before? Uh, yeah. I think like 22 or something, right? <laughs> yeah, Neil? Give, give or take 90. Um, <laughs> Which so. is crazy, because like, I don't know, these are like my favorite episodes, I and I think for a lot of listeners, they're uh, favorites as well. Yeah, and we've definitely mentioned it before, but the insider baseball is that they haunt us. <laughs> yeah. um, because it's harder most and episodes, harder. <laughs> yeah, most episodes we talk about ideas, especially as part of the episode, and talk about homework. So the idea of just coming up with stuff out of nowhere um, becomes tough. But that's okay, because we just decided if all three of us show up, uh, many hands make less work. Yes. Which so. means we all did three. Yes. And that's way yes. easier than back in the day with everyone coming. <laughs> now, with that ten. being said, we will have 10 because Neil has come up with a brilliant idea, which will either turn out to be amazing or a completely and total train wreck, where at the end of this episode, we're going to come up with one together on the spot. Yep. I think it depends on how much we've laughed along the way. What, <laughs> <Yes>. kind, of, <laughs> what kind of idea? Oh, we I'm sure. With. However, train wreck or not, we'll be laughing. But uh, and we are going to have a part two to this. We'll tell you a little bit more about that in the outro. But be excited for that. I'm more excited about the part two, honestly, than I am about the <laughs> yeah. part one. But yeah, just a little. Uh, you got to stay to the end, or you can just skip everything that we say right now and go to the end and listen and find out. <laughs> oh man, that would be the best choice. I don't care about can any of their ideas. I'm going straight <laughs> to the like, end of this. Thing. Uh, imagine if there's a listener out there who's like, I only listen to the intros and the outros. I don't listen to them. <laughs> It'd be like ever. the opposite of every yeah. podcast listener. Never ever. listen to a story time. <laughs> never listen to a gymnastic. Never listen to a, a meet. <laughs> only yeah. intros. I only listen to intros and outros and ads. <laughs> That's it. Well, on that note, and I feel like because we are obligated to say it, let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. <laughs> Here for the meet, we have creation and inspiration. Like we already said, there's three. Um, we definitely put them in the order of best to worst. <laughs> no, we did not. No, we did not. Um, so, Mitch, what is your idea number three? Oh, man. Number three? Uh, so I've got to go I don't know. It doesn't matter. In the, like, am I reading from the bottom? Okay. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with number three. Uh, so uh, my number three I called the, the imprisoned one. I know that we've done like little differences in creation inspiration. All of mine are like campaign adventure ideas. So the imprisoned one, the campaign idea is that uh, we've talked about dead gods before uh, on the show quite a bit, actually. This is uh, a, a different variation of that. Uh, a god has been imprisoned by another god. Uh, and this particular god that is imprisoned is uh, the PCs, their united like deity that they favor. And so the world goes without that deity. We've talked about that a lot on other episodes dealing with God's death and what does that have to do. Perhaps if a god is in prison, there's a little bit of strength left there. But anyway, the god is imprisoned and the campaign is all about your PCs have to go and release, find out where this god is imprisoned and release them from the prison. And assumingly, if it's been 
imprisoned by another god, there are going to be a whole bunch of challenges and terrible fights along the way to release that god from their imprisonment. I love it. I'm terrified, like how close it works with one of mine. So <laughs> yeah, we did I think I'm check. just gonna. <laughs> I, no, we, I didn't. we didn't. Okay, so let's let's do this. I'm just gonna say the one that I wasn't gonna say first, but I'm gonna say it. Now. <laughs> so the campaign I had, or campaign idea I had, was called the locked door. Okay. Um. So basically, there's surprise. It's a locked door, but the idea is to also have it. <laughs> I know breaking the mold, but the idea is to have it somewhere that is very public. So either I think mm. of like the forgotten realms, if it was a locked door inside the yawning portal, or it's in a town square or somewhere, a lot of foot traffic, almost a tourist attraction. And no one knows why it's locked. No one knows what's behind it. And basically will the party choose to take on this quest to figure out how to unlock this door and is that good is that bad the other quest hook i thought was is the door open hmm. so then is the party the one the ones to travel through because i thought eh, if it's open and all this stuff comes out i i don't i feel like that happens a lot so the idea that it's there but no one wants to go through so the party is tasked with going through this locked door but is it that this god that's been trapped is on the other side was my my first thought. Well, I suppose that the question could also be, can they just walk through? Or is this kind of a sword in the stone thing where it's like it's there for everybody, but only a certain person or you need to do something. You need to find the key or keys, right? Yeah. Is it like you have to prove or maybe the doorway proves that you're worthy to walk through? And the only way you know is by walking through, right? And like it may severely injure you or kill you if you walk through and you're not mm. deemed worthy, you know? Mm. Mitch, to your idea, the idea that I had as a, as you were talking about, it, I was like, I wonder if the imprisonment that the god bestows upon another god is actually being banished as a mortal, stripped mm. of your powers. Yeah, so it's actually like the that. god, yeah, comes to like the party and somehow convinces the party that they are the god because they've either lost their powers or none of the priests have heard from this god for a while or yeah. whatever it was. And they walk up and he's like, hey, I see that you have these holy symbols like I am such and such, whoever it is. And the party either like believes him or not, doesn't believe him. But then you have to figure out like, well, how do you reverse the like mortal curse that's been bestowed upon this god uh, who's now been banished to the mortal world? And like, what is that? But like the god is like left with all of these memories of all of eternity and like could be seen as just like this incredibly um, <laughs> insane person walking around the world at the same time. And maybe that's the banishment. So I'll, I'll see your, I'll see your awesome idea, Chris, and I'm going to raise it because what, it, what if, and I think you, you mentioned this and uh, that, what if like the God lost some of their memories? What if the God was imprisoned in a mortal body and completely doesn't remember who he or she is doesn't remember that they are a god in general. And here's where I'm raising it, Chris. What if you and your PCs are tasked to go and find this god, and through a series of adventures, you find out that one of the PCs is the yes. god who has forgotten. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, then, then it asks the question, like, does the PC know this beforehand, or are you just, like, picking one at random yeah. to be yeah. that? And it's like, oh. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder, like, you could kind of play around with, like, 
even an imprisoned god who's been imprisoned in a mortal's body like and has no memories maybe they still like have some sort of power so if you have like paladins and clerics in the group their power still work and part of the clues you can kind of plan along the way is if they get too far if the group like splits up all of a sudden like the group that isn't with the one pc who is the god their powers are like either nerfed or they go away because they only work in proximity when this god is imprisoned in a mortal shell which also, I played Mortal Shell recently, and it's a great game. Another Dark Souls-like game. <laughs> but yeah, you could also do, like, dream sequences or whatever. Like, memories that only those gods would have from the past. That, like, for whatever reason, if they're in this sort of magical realm, every player gets some sort of dream from their past. Yeah. But that person gets a dream from, like, a thousand years ago or something. And, you know, they talk about it. It's like, well, that's weird. Why did I get this dream? Yeah of something that happened from like a war a thousand years ago or something like that, you know, and you could play with yeah. some of those fun elements too, as like an, a way of like, they may have imprisoned them in their memories, but something subconsciously doesn't get, you know, locked away. And so it comes out when you're dreaming or whatever. Yeah. I, I imagine that you need to be prepared for a little bit of a uh, DM gut punch though. Cause I, I can see like, if I had like was playing this, doing this campaign and I was the DM, Chris, you would totally be the player that the beginning of the campaign would be like, guys, what if one of us is and, like, <laughs> immediately just be like, dang it. <laughs> like you just say it all trolly and then be like, all right, well, uh, anyway, uh, uh, Neil, your that was kind of like your idea, though, the locked door, though. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of brainstorm on what like what beyond a God could be behind this like locked door that either you can just open and nobody's been uh, smart enough to go through or uh, you need to get some sort of key or something like what's behind that door besides a God. Yeah. I mean, Neil, just for clarification, were you thinking this is like, cause we talked about like the sword and the stone. Are you imagining this is just like a door in a building that nobody's been able to ever get through? <laughs> it yeah. just that, like, it's kind of like the town lore. Like there's this door that's locked that nobody can get through and nobody knows where it goes. Is that what you're kind of imagining? Yeah. And I think of like, when I, when I, kind of see it in my head i think of all those like brass statues where the one part that everyone goes to and touches is like super super shiny so Mm. it's just it's it's a door like i don't think there's like a lot of like it's not flashy and so but the door handle is really bright because everyone tries it um that kind of thing and so eventually someone either figures it out either like i said either the pcs figure it out or it's open and for some reason the pcs are the only ones that could go through it uh my first thought is definitely like another realm because it could be an introduction to like really shake up your campaign um if you wanted to introduce like it goes to eberron or you know with the introduction of Spelljammer. oh man because I was just thinking of it opening in kind of that Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but there's nothing <laughs> stopping it from just opening on the Lion other side. Tomnus. Yeah, but it could be in a ship. Like, it could be in a Spelljammer, and you get to the other side. <laughs> I was totally thinking Spelljammer. Like, hey, we've talked about Spelljammer coming to 5e for years yeah. now. It's finally happening. Yeah. It's going to Spelljammer. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just open it up, and it's just a door in the ship that they never figured out yeah. how they could open either. <laughs> I just, and that's kind of what I was thinking is like, what if it's just like a connection to a door on the other side of the planet or something, you know, like that, like the only way it opens is just if somebody opens it from that side and it's like some rant, you know, random broken down old wizard's tower that for whatever reason mm. from centuries long ago in an abandoned tower that's either crumbled like in the middle of a jungle somewhere or something. And it's like 
your players happen to be in the town, or it's a door to the past or to the future of your mm. world, right? Where it's like all of a sudden somebody comes through with like ancient armor on or something like that. And it's like, uh, this is super weird. Or I know um, we talked about this in last episode, or if it's like, you know, the Chris Pratt movie where somebody comes back from the future or whatever. And it's like, oh, this is super weird. Now we're meeting or the people that walk through the door are your players from like the future coming back yeah. for whatever reason. Time you know? travel door. Yeah. yeah. Could be a time travel door. Is it a door Lorian? Is that what it is? Uh, I like it. <laughs> <Ba-dum-bum>. <laughs> <laughs> I think the less trolly version, Mitch, you brought it up where, oh, maybe one of us is just a god, where you just let the players come up with rumors and you just. I mean, you just take the one that works, the one that's <laughs> uh, just because there are so many ideas that can with a locked door, the ideas are essentially endless because there's nothing until there is something. So I think it'd really be one that for me, I would probably just figure out what the players think and then just steal one of those ideas. Yeah. I like the idea that um, you open the door and like you guys were talking about potentially being in somewhere like a tavern and you open the door and you look on the other side and see like the tavern counter, like nothing like it's like, Oh, it, it's a door to nowhere. Like, <laughs> and, but if you were to step through what it actually is, is it's a door to, I, I mean, we're like in the, with the MCU going crazy right now with multiverse stuff, like this would be very like on point, but basically that you're stepping into yes, the same world, but things are different. Um, and so they're like you, if you do walk through, if you just look through, you're like, oh, it doesn't go anywhere. It's like literally just an archway. That's weird. Who put this here? But it's a doorway into a, another universe of your realm of your plane. And with that, there's always the chance that you run into different versions of yourself and the, uh, NPCs of your campaign, uh, that could be good or bad. Who knows what happened in another life? I like it. Chris. What is your number three? All right. So along the same lines, I have a guild that you can put into your world. It is a thieves guild. It has nothing to do with what you guys have talked about, actually, to this point. It is a (laughs) thieves guild uh, made up of were rats. Okay. That's the idea. I love it. Thieves guild made up of were rats. And they're the only ones that have the key to the locked door where the god has been imprisoned. Just so, no, I was just just so about we're it. all, yeah. oh, just so we're all abundantly clear. Like while we all talk on this podcast, you're just as good. Whoever you are listening to this right now, you are just as good at this as we are because you saw what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my idea. Is just you somewhere in your world. Like either you, the way you could discover it, I imagine, is like somebody like is walking along and kicks a random rat in the alleyway or something. It's just like, Poof! there's all of a sudden this like thief <laughs> that appears out of nowhere. It's like, uh, Hey pal, what's, uh, what's oh, going yeah. on here? You know, that's man. I guess I don't know where wet, where rat lore that much, but I assume it's the same thing as like a werewolf and a werebear that they can turn into a rat as well mm-hmm. as like a were rat. Yeah, that's actually great for like that's an amazing thief's like I know that's how it's that yeah ability yeah. like just like I don't know how they keep breaking in. Uh, also, we got a rat problem. It's really <laughs> annoying. 
your level one adventures are like, go to the cellar. And then wait, no. Oh, we died. <laughs> well, I, I think the idea of, of subverting it, because a lot of the times that that comes up, that it, it it's like a really vile version or really disgusting or really downtrodden. I think the idea of having this really successful thieves guild, but that's the reason why. Mm-hmm. that the this were rat and then it doesn't have to be that they're gross it just happens to be that they have the ability to do these certain things because i think of you know master splinter is not gross <laughs> uh, i he lives in a sewer <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's also not a were rat but <laughs> yeah or is he I, uh, not by have you ever seen him so. not as a rat i don't know <laughs> i mean uh, I'm pretty sure he started as a rat. He's the opposite of a were-rat because it's a human who gets infected light with lycanthropy. What is a rat that turns into a kind of humanoid? I mean, it a all were-man? A were-man? Yeah. It all depends on, on what ridiculous origin story we want to go with because the current iteration of the background behind me is that they are the reincarnation. Okay, here's my here's my counter idea. A thieves' guild of rats who are were humans. <laughs> Even better. Oh, gosh, this is getting worse. Uh, okay, I want to. I immediately I thought like there are giant rats um, in D anD D as well. They're like giant rats are not huge, right? They're still I think small, uh, but they're big rats. And I love the idea that this like thieves' guild has these members that are called brutes and they're they transform into giant rats but when they transform into their were rat selves that they were hill giants that got infected by were rat lycanthropy and so they're the brutes of the team and so if you go and try to take down this thieves guild like you're going to run into some brutes and they're going to turn into were rat versions of hill giants which i like yeah, and I mean, technically, you have to play with the rules here a little bit because I think were rats are still like medium sized humanoids. Like, I think they're mm. just like human shaped rats, you know? But like, you would obviously have to play with the rules a little fast and loose to say, like, hey, they're actually like small creatures or tiny creatures when they turn into were rats, you know? Or whatever. Yeah, so you could do it based off of like size. Like, if you were a medium creature, you now become a tiny. If you were a large creature, you become a medium creature. Like, it's. Like it's it's like two steps down or something like that is the size that you become if you're a were rat or some something like that, right? To make it work out. But it could be really fun. Stuff <laughs> suddenly like, yep. hey, our little were rat friends are in, in trouble and bam, <laughs> here comes this large size rat through the door. Like, holy crap. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and their ultimate villain is Pickle Rick. Uh, <laughs> Pickle Rick. <laughs> okay. So that puts us on number two. Mitch, what is idea number two? My idea number two is Iron Mages, which, of course, I liked because it sounded like Iron Maiden a little bit. And so I'm thinking of you're doing an all-wizard campaign where all of the wizards get golem tombs, but they create not just golems, but they're like golem armor. So you have this like this point in the campaign where it switches from like you're just playing wizards to your wizards that get into sets of golem armor uh, to go and fight battles together. It's ridiculous. It's a little bit wonky with the rules. I was kind of wondering what you guys would say about like, how would you do this and how would you do this well? Cause you're taking like a monster from the monster manual and you're now saying it's a suit of armor 
does this, can you still like use your powers, your wizard powers while you're inside? Is it totally different? Like, I love the idea, but I don't know exactly how I would implement it. So I want to hear what your guys' ideas are. Okay, my first idea is that I thought that Iron Mages was a food competition show, (laughs) but it wasn't. With food mages? Iron food mages. That's what I would have called it. It wasn't. So my first thought to answer your question actually is if the – depending on how long you want that to be, if like if if it was a one-shot, I would just look to Polymorph as kind of like the fastest rule. Mm. I don't think that's the fun – the the most fun that you could get out of it but if it's it's definitely the fastest way to get from here to there yeah um where just like you know once you run out of hit points the you know the mage pops out um and then they're they're good to go I, I, again i don't think that's necessarily the most fun but mechanically it would probably be your easiest yeah yeah i mean you could almost do it like attack on titan style where like the person becomes that sort of iron mage right and inside they they take on all the characteristics like they see and feel and move through you know the iron golem sort of thing so like if they're doing magic you actually see them like doing the spells and things through the suit of armor and yeah the idea that i had too was like if they hit zero hit points or whatever they just they're unconscious but they are just no longer the suit of armor it either breaks apart or whatever it could be that's what i kind of envision it's kind of like morphing the two together of them being able to do magic but it's them doing it through the mech suit sort of thing that's kind of the idea that i had for it yeah i wonder how overpowered it would be to be like you're in you're basically a golem uh an iron golem from the monster manual but you can use your wizard spells like so i wonder if i would change it to be like you can't use your spells while inside the golem armor with the idea of like you're not able to do the or maybe i would depend on what the spell was right like if it was just verbal like why not uh but if it's somatic if it needs like components like you don't have that maneuverability um i would imagine as you're inside the golem armor but i like the idea of like adding on things that you can change to the golem as well like being able to change like the the weaponry it has and um, maybe you don't f- start out with all of the golem stats, like because I, if I remember correctly, there's a lot of um, immunities that iron golems. If we're talking about iron golems, like have uh, maybe like you basically as you level up, you create like as a DM a way to level up your golems and have a there'd be different branches that you can uh, have your players choose so that they can ha- be different. Um, but you can create microtransactions that they pay you to get different like <laughs> shoulder plates and that, stuff. That's the yeah, that's skins, the whole bro. goal. That's what we're oh, all trying man. to get to as a DM. So check out this cool new emote I have on my golem. <laughs> well, uh, EA DMs. <laughs> do, do I have a spray paint feature on this? <laughs> the other thought I had was looking. And it's it's a common DM thing to do is to look how you would probably approach spellcasting in a different way. Um, we've we've had the same Vancian system for so long. My other thought would be if you look at spell either spell slots or spell levels as a way to empower the golem. So maybe the golem has certain things that it can do, and then whoever is using it just uses up what spells they have. That way, it's not it's not limitless. Um, and maybe it's a little bit different. Uh, from what their normal spells are. Because I think if you have an entire group, did one person go into divination and now they're just in a golem like, look at what I can see. Yeah. Um, probably 
not the most exciting version for them. Um, but then they could just instead just spin the spell slots to shoot cannons or whatever things you have on the column. Yeah, it would be, a, it would be a lot of work to set this system up, but I do like that idea, Neil, of like, if you are, if we're not just starting out the campaign with you're a bunch of mages that get inside golem suits of armor, but this is like a point that you reach. I like the idea of going, okay, you've created different types of wizards or sorcerers with different, focuses so as you start that golem part of the campaign uh the golems all start with having some sort of difference to them and and they're specialized depending on the pc's direction that they've chosen yeah the idea that i had too was like i wonder if it's like not even something that you were like that they knew was going to happen but it's something they stumble across like in an ancient burial ground or you know whatever it could be and like they find these suits in this underground place, mm. right? And they the suits are in like they they are their own being, but they need somebody inside to control them. So like while you're in there, like the suits have their own characters too, yeah. and they have their own like personalities that only the other like people Jarvis that are inside the different suits. Versions no, of Jarvis. Yeah, kind of like Jarvis, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the idea, right? Where each person like they have these memories, they have these um, things that they can teach and it's kind of like the advancement system is like along the way they'll in, they'll come across certain situations that will require them to do a barrel roll you know or whatever <laughs> it is and they do something like that that they never expected you know to be able to do and that's the way yeah. some of the advancement works or whatever i just love the idea of four or five like iron golems rush that are like decked out in in different wares like rushing towards a bunch of red dragons like about to do battle like it feels like you need to have like an action sequence, like running oh, explosions yeah. <laughs> oh, in the yeah. background with these mages just transforming Absolutely. into the mechs or whatever. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then here's the cool idea. You could mighty here's the cool idea. into wow. all of them coming together into one massive power yeah, ranger. Of course. Mech. I mean, of course I knew through brainstorming that we would get Voltron. there. <laughs> Voltron, uh, Power Rangers. I call I call Red Iron. Uh, it just it looks like a a really tall Iron Mage uh, who has like a big staff and just all of a sudden he can cast <laughs> spells. All right, you're the right hand. All right, you're the left hand. <laughs> and then it turns into Pacific Rim very quickly. And Kaiju uh, okay, start now you've lost me because I wish I liked those movies, but I don't. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Neil, what's your number two? Number two, I entitled, it's the only one that had like a, a solid title, Shrubbery Surprise. Uh, basically, I already poked fun at the idea of a cellar full of rats for your like first level party. So another idea I came up with was to start out that there are plants that have been basically taken over by some sort of druid. They're either actually eating people they're feeding on people <laughs> people are passing out something attack to that of the killer with. tomatoes <laughs> yes exactly and where basically you could have awakened plants be your lower level like starting campaign rather than again a cellar full of rats what was the other one uh little shop of horrors what is oh yeah one where the, yeah <laughs> something shop, like that little shop of horrors and i so, just yeah this idea just makes me think of like somebody's walking in a dark alley and they turn around and see this plant like off in the distance and they turn around and walk and then they turn oh, yeah. around again and it's, it's like closer. closer. <laughs> oh, that's a great scene. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing they know, they just look down and there's this shrub like at their feet that just jumps up and latches down. Yes. 
Perfect. Man, where's Bulbasaur? Tom use Vine Whip. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, it's just like a low-level campaign to start out in a different way with, with my thought behind it. Plants, ter- shrubs turning into uh, it, it's a zombie movie with shrubs mm-hmm. instead of yep. zombies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then each shrub oh. is actually a former humanoid. <laughs> Where'd that guy go? Done. Perfect. There's not much to that one. Chris, <laughs> what is your number two? Okay, my number two is in a world where you have um, sky ships, or maybe if you don't have sky ships, there are groups of people who have become sky pirates. So if even if you don't have sky ships as a form of transportation, you could use sky ships uh, as a way, a form of piracy where they jump into keeps or wherever it is from up above. Or the other brilliant idea that I had, the sky pirates are actually werehawks. Just kidding. That's I, not actually. Not. Whoa. <laughs> I just love how you started that one. Just like it's in a world where you have sky ships or you don't have sky ships. Forget the premise. I just started. <laughs> with. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. Like this is like the the first time you start seeing sky ships. Um, it may not be like a pre-established thing, which I feel like is. Well, and is, that's what's scary about it, right? Like, yeah, that's how I would go it. with it. Yeah. All of a sudden, like. Your your PCs are in a uh, peaceful kingdom that is way up high on a mountaintop where uh, they just have like all these just natural formations that end up being good defenses that make that kingdom really safe. Uh, and then maybe one of your PCs is a, is a town guard and they're just looking out at the beauty of the day and from the clouds all of a sudden come ships <laughs> And they're coming towards you, and it's just like, what do you do? You're you've never been prepared for this before. Well, it's like a kingdom that's like on the shoreline, and all of a sudden you see a warring nation with like forty ships on the on the horizon. Like that's terrifying. But then you see them coming through the air, and it's like, oh crap, that's terrifying. You know? Yeah. And it could be. I mean, there's no shortage of ways that you could take to get it. Is it from a different dimension somehow that they've gotten here? Is it from a different kingdom? Are these that those hippo? guys from Spelljammer? <laughs> yeah, the GIF. The GIF Yankee. Not the, the GIF, GIF Yankee. Mind players. It's GIFs, right? It, it, or, no, GIF? GIF? The Hippo yeah. Men. No, no. GIF are the Hippo Men. Okay. Yes. Some people some people pronounce it GIF. It's too close, man. It's too close. And then there's there's the GIF. But I was No, I was just listing everything yeah, yeah, Spelljammer. Yeah. Or I'm just going to take every one of Chris's ideas and put a giant spin on it. It could be cloud giants coming at your city because that's even scarier. So now I got to figure out how to work giants into Chris's third idea without even knowing it. All right. Oh, super easy. Just wait. Just (laughs) you wait. Cool. Cool. So we got hill giants uh, as the brutes of the the rat, uh, the were rat uh, thieves guild. We've got cloud giants as the scariest sky pirates of all. Dude, can you just imagine all of a sudden it's like hovering 20, 30 feet off the ground and just out jumps these massive cloud giants down into your city? Oh, yeah. They land like superhero style yeah. and it breaks like the the street below them or they just land on people <laughs> like you're getting right of the catapults and one just steps out and like crashes on top of it. That's just terrifying. Those would be big ships, though, too. At the same time, yeah, it would be the size of like the kingdoms. <laughs> yeah, well, they're like, oh yeah, they're 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 uh, pretty close. Oh no, wait, no, they're not. Oh no, oh no. Yeah. It just- <laughs> well, it'd be like it'd be like essentially like I mean, take what you want from uh, Rogue One, where they had the city that had the crystals that they were mining. What was the what was the episode or the Star Wars where they were mining all the Kyber crystals oh. in the city? 
Is that Solo? What? Which one was that? Yeah, you mean the Spice Mines of Kessel, Chris? No, 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 no. In it was Solo, with the, the worst Star Wars movie It was with the two monks that like, could use the Force. They had the Kyber Crystals. <laughs> I don't remember which one it was. No, it's... Is it Solo? a movie? <laughs> the worst movie with ever. Kyber Crystals in a movie, Chris? <laughs> You're talking about Clone Wars? Or I don't something? remember. Somebody will... Somebody will hit us up with it but like i just imagine like it's like a star destroyer descending upon a city where it's all of a sudden like oh that thing is as big as like if not even bigger than our entire city here you know it just like hovers over and blocks the sun from your town and just imagine it could be terrifying if it was cloud giants and it makes sense with cloud giants because they're super obsessed with wealth are you thinking about caravan of courage chris is that what movie (laughs) i no, There's no mining in that movie. The know. holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, I have completely lost my train of thought. Does that mean? Yes, we are on idea number one. You're the best idea you've got, <laughs> Mitch. <laughs> uh, so the idea that I have is the ever-growing wood. Uh, okay, so I started out with this idea, and first of all, it's oh, it's like Neil's idea of shrub attacks turned up to 11 to be a whole campaign. And I started out with this idea and I really liked it and I no longer like it. And I'll explain why. (laughs) So uh, nations are at war. And one of these nations, the opposing nation uh, to your PCs and the adventure you're in is a nation that um, is run by druids. And so uh, you could imagine what uh, a nation run by druids looks like. I think if uh, Magic the Gathering is the Celeste, uh, help me out, uh, guys who played Magic. Uh, the Ravnica Guild Celestnia? Um, green yeah, and white. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes, I, I'm probably butchering the way that it's said. but Or like if it's more primal, it could be like the Gruul Guild. I know I said that one right. But so like a bunch of druids running a nation, and they've just been fed up with civilization, destroying of the forest, destroying of the natural world, Uh, And so they are now using the powers of nature as their army um, fighting against the other nations and the the ever growing wood, as it were, like the forest is just spreading and taking over. And so I like this idea because I was thinking about how do you make enemies that aren't just like your classic, like I'm a bad guy who likes to do bad things. Uh, you can kind of like um, relate to uh, these druids, and which I think is an in, a much more interesting kind of um, enemy for the campaign. But then I started to think about it, and I was like, man, this would be really dark. Like, you're going to battle against, like, woodland creatures that are trying to attack you and kill you by the direction of druids. There's, like, plant enemies, like trees, like, fighting against Ents, like... And so I started out really liking this idea. And then I was like, I don't know if I could stomach this idea. Just like, and you you have elephants coming to destroy you. What do you do? Well, we take the elephants down and like, that just sounds so horrible. So I'd have to, I'd have to, if I was DMing this, I don't know what I would do, but I'd want to have there be some sort of shift or like, I don't know. Does that sound like, am I on the right page? This is kind of dark. It's a weirdly dark story. Yeah, but. But everyone needs a dark story to tell at some point or another. Inevitably, your group will want to play. Well, inevitably, like, they're like, oh, I want to play an evil campaign. I mean, it comes up. I mean, it, it it's required. Also, if it makes you feel better, my next one isn't going to be very uh, bright. So mine's super dark. So 
Minus I, two. I, my, so <laughs> okay, so let's, I just want to state this about the the campaign that I just started. You know, the, there's uh, this is not the story we need right now. <laughs> so we don't need to play in a game where your uh, your adventuring party is just like, oh, it's great, we get to just burn down the forest. We don't need that story right now. So that's what I don't like about it anymore. But <laughs> okay, I accept. <laughs> yeah, in a world being riddled yeah. with drought and climate control. Let's That's why I want forest. there to be like a shift some at some point in the campaign. Like, I don't know what that would be, but I wouldn't want it to just be like from A to B where you defeat the like Druid nation and they're destroyed. I wouldn't like that. All okay. right, Neil, give it to us. Your, your terrible idea. So, I mean, there's first off, there is no way this hasn't come up somewhere else. Preface. But I'm going to bring it up here because some of the spells that are in the books are bad, like I don't or evil. Like, I don't know of good ways to use certain spells on the spell list. So one of those spells can me can use them against bad guys. They're always better that way. (laughs) Like, well, so (laughs) use evil spells against evil. Two wrongs make a right. Exactly. So Suicide Squad <laughs> and in D D, where you okay. use what I so also Gaius is also pronounced Gesh because it's from Irish folklore. But basically that's what you do. You know, Amanda Waller puts the bomb in the back of the person and if they don't do the right thing, off it goes. So you use that spell <laughs> as a bombs. way you control the group of people to go be the suicide squad. That is dark. So I think we have very different ideas of what we meant when we originally said we have really dark ideas because mine is not like yours too. <laughs> well, I just think of – well, and I also think of like the most recent version, uh, you know, the most recent movie where it's all very lighthearted. Yeah, it's still, yeah. It still has a very dark tone and terrible things happen in it. But the idea of just having – I can't quite decide if I would want like a really large group of – characters that everyone is playing and you kind of see what's left over at the end and then like that's the campaign you you move forward or if you just have a lot of disposable npcs there's no nice way to say that um where where things happen but you know inevitably the the party that the players have created are is the party that would move forward in the story and there's a lot of redemption arcs that happen in those but there's also still just bad characters um so yeah essentially using gesh to have the suicide squad in <laughs> well my idea that the idea that i have coming off of yours is kind of like you know in, in our world, we have the group Anonymous, right, that does all the hacking that by all intents and purposes, people would say, like, hacking is not a good thing. And yet they're like this group that, like, could do very bad things if they wanted to and yet typically use them to be like, hey, Russia, stop doing dumb <laughs> stuff or we're going to shut down everything that you run. You know, like, it could be that sort of thing where it's like a group of people that don't want the clout or the... um accolades for you know if somebody goes out because somebody you know a kid has been kidnapped from a town and they bring the kid back and the bad guy and they get all of the you know acknowledgement and stuff it could be a group of people that uses those things to make bad guys turn themselves in anonymously and so they're using nefarious means but are they bad people i mean they're using them for kind of good reasons right like does that make it right? Or are they kind of like the anti-hero sort of person? You know, 
in the group that's like, they're a hero, but if we met them, we might say, like, torturing people into doing the right thing is probably still not the right thing. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I like the idea. I I like uh, the idea of, like, a Suicide Squad, Thunderbolts-like campaign. I think I'd want to actually introduce it that way, like, before even starting, like... And I think I'd want like a Rick Flag like character in as a PC. Um, like one of the PCs is is not like a a prisoner with this spell that's controlling them, but part of whatever organization is using uh, these villains. I mean, really, you could like yeah, like your your players could create villains um, that you get to then use in other campaigns before they like were put into this this organization or your players could pick villains that you fought in the past and say, Oh, I get to play them now. Like I think it'd be fun, but also it might be like good establishing that from the beginning. Cause as you were mentioning, uh, Neil with the latest movie, like there's still light heartedness in it. And there are characters that are quote unquote villains that have things that ground them relationships like family and things like that, that, some of them turn out to be the most heroic uh, members of the group. And so maybe you have a mix of that with the PCs. PCs that are, yeah, they're a villain that's being used here, but they're not all bad. Like kind of that whole idea of like, not just the simply, I'm a bad guy to be a bad guy villain. Maybe you have some of that part of the team too, which they're the ones that are going to have to be a little bit controlled by that Rick Flag person and, yeah, it could be really fun with a with a a good group that kind of has a good head on their shoulders of how to do this well. I always like that preface. So if you have a bad group that <laughs> their head is not on their shoulders, don't use this idea. No. <laughs> I mean, it's just it probably like will just turn into a very evil campaign, a very dark, as you said, if that's the case. And they're just going to run around killing everybody all the time. That's what it's going to turn into. So if that's what you want to do, then that's what you're going to do. But Sounds like a really hard campaign. Yeah, I wouldn't want to DM that one. So, no. Chris, round us out with Dark Idea number three, a.k.a. your number one. Okay. All right, Mitch. I'm excited to see how you turn this into something giants. With giants. <laughs> so the idea, I mean, there's been movies about this sort of thing, right? And the idea is um, your players walk into a town and they start to figure out that, you know, most taverns would stay open super late right? They'd stay open past dark, whatever it was. But they're told very specifically on their first time coming into town, like every guest is told that at night they have to be in a specific building because every resident and business of this town knows to mark their doors with a specific thing at night because a fog rolls in, right? And whatever houses aren't marked are free game for whatever lurks in the fog that's out there, you know? The sort of thing like the idea is that the player or that the town does not have enough resources to take care of the problem, but they know how to protect against the problem. They don't have they've sent people out before to try and fight the problem or figure out what it is. And they've never come back sort of thing. Um, but your players are told very early on in their experience, like if you are inside somewhere after sundown, that is where you stay the rest of the night until sunup, you know, for whatever reason it could be. And maybe that first night when you're there the players are asleep and all of a sudden they hear a shriek outside for whatever reason, somebody didn't make it back inside and something is happening to this person. And now your players are left with this sort of 
moral dilemma of like, do we go outside to try and investigate? Do we leave it alone? Does one player hear that at night and then have to wake up the rest of the group and figure out what they're going to do? Who knows? So it's the idea of the fog rolling into a town. Mitch, go. So you said, how do they protect themselves? They just have to be inside. Some, there's they some have to there's mark, some ritual that some they have to put marker, like on yeah. their door. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm thinking this is like in the middle of nowhere, uh, frozen tundra. These are obviously frost giants, and like if you don't put the marking, a frost giant hand just comes into your bedroom, like bursts through the whole wall and rips you out, and people <laughs> wake up to seeing your entire room destroyed. And so they're they're taking you away for eating or maybe they've got some weird ritual uh, where even bigger giants come and they need some humans to put on the outside of their. I don't know. Just imagine Dane Cook's like comedy skit. This, of, like, is, this is very <laughs> mist-like if you've seen that movie or. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my my two thoughts were one. What is fog? If not just really low clouds, cloud giants. Two. <laughs> I didn't want to use cloud giants again. That was my okay, thing. well. Well, the other thing is, what if the other option is obviously it's not actually fog; it's smoke because it's fire giants. Mm, yeah. Well, and and looking like out your window at night and seeing the fiery beard of like a fire giant like moving slowly and you don't want it you don't want it to be like a ton of them this could just be a lone fire giant or frost giant or or, yeah we don't need it to be a giant but like a a certain creature and maybe all there's other towns in the area that are plagued by this uh there's some sort of the fog is perhaps like attached to this being whatever this being is and so it just roams the land looking for it has some sort of strange understanding that if these people do this ritual it's paying homage to them uh yeah maybe it's maybe that's all it is it's it's it lashes out in anger if homage has not been paid to it um and so the people of this land have to do that and maybe people don't know that it's a fire giant all they see is like because their windows are shuttered their doors are shut they can just see through the cracks like Maybe it's such a dense fog that all I can see is just the fog just lights up bright red as this being passes and they hear the loud noises and they see the footprints. And maybe the footprints are a staple throughout the city normally, regularly. They're just always there. And like you ask questions when you get into the city of like, what's that about? That's super weird, you know? And then they have to explain their like ritual the barkeeper does or whatever every single night and whoever doesn't pay homage like disappears or their house is destroyed or whatever it might be. This is definitely dark. Like, I mean, this, this has the, like, this is a horror movie as a, as a yeah. uh, campaign for me. Like I can just, like, I can very much visualize the fog rolling in this people, like trying to sleep in their beds with their blankets over them, like shaking in fear as they hear the sounds of whatever creature is outside moving through their, their town or like and if they hear screams it's like oh gosh somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do or somebody was like didn't get home in time you hear the crunching of the house under the foot or whatever yeah. my or husband has somebody that's running a hunting trip it, that's like, exactly oh, what gosh, i was gonna say yeah. like yeah. yeah like but then being frozen in spot yeah they walk outside and they're just frozen in ice right as like in ever like true ice or whatever so they're just always there yeah. Right. So you have these memorials. Oh, or, or they're like turned molten into rock. Right. And so they're just like stuck there. I mean, yeah, it could be like a Medusa like creature. And so the statues like 
remain in the town and like i mean this is a this is a i imagine this town being very like this is not a happy place to live and so i i like could they remove the statues yes but one maybe they're afraid if they do that there will be consequences but two they leave those statues as a reminder of the danger of not following the rituals not um and there's always the question too of like well why don't people just move then well because it's expensive to move and people can't like in a peasant village somewhere they sure. can't afford to uproot their life and so they're trying to make do the best that they can where they're at and that's they've realized like maybe it's putting a like if it's a medusa creature maybe they put a a mirror on their door or whatever because it like medusas don't want to turn themselves to stone right mm. so like that's what they prevents shy away them from I like that a lot. they shy away from it right or whatever it whatever it is Oh gosh! And then like, there's a a big storm that comes, and you hear the like the mirror fall off the door and, and oh, shatter, yeah. and it's like that's the start <laughs> of like your campaign or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, maybe maybe this town is very far from other places, and there have been stories about people trying to leave, and the fog catching up to them as they are leaving. Like you are you're not allowed to leave this place. Yeah, interesting. I love it. It's a giant Medusa. <laughs> All right. Well, that's yes. that's our nine ideas, which means we're at our number 10. So, Neil, you came up with this brilliant idea. So how do you want to do this, man? Okay. So for our, for our final idea, it will be a collaborative effort. We've broken it into three parts. And, Chris, you have those three parts. You have not yet assigned them. No. I think we should assign them randomly, Chris. Oh, gosh. Okay. Mentioned what they are, and then we will uh, randomly assign them. All right. So here's how we'll here's how we'll do it. The three things that we're going to come up with are a who, a what, and a where. So three key elements. So Mitch, you have a dice. So I, have I will a be numbers D6. one and two. Okay. Mitch, you'll be three and four, and Neil will be five and a six. One and two will be the who, and then three and four will be the what, and then the where will be five and six. <laughs> you just assigned us all numbers, yes. and then. <laughs> All yes, right. you did. So number I got it in my one, head. two, one, two, one and two is who? Three and four is what? Five and six is where of the campaign. Let's do this. All right. Who wants to go first with the role? Who's going first? I'll go first. Okay, Neil, you have the who, not the band. Yes. Chris, we'll give you the next one. You are the where, and so nice. I have the what. Yeah, let's do this all at the same time. We got to come up with it, and then we're going to share it, and then we're going to we're talk about the story. So let's give ourselves a little bit of time, we'll, and then we'll give it to it. This could be totally awful. I love <laughs> Depending it. on like, so we cannot we cannot deviate from what we, we come up with. We have to try and figure it out. Yeah. Okay. It's so hard All to right. come up with a what without knowing a where. I know. Well, where. that's like I'm like aware. What is what is my where? I don't know who the who is, so yeah. I have no idea, or I don't know what yeah. the what is. <laughs> Fire giants in the frozen tundras. <laughs> <laughs> a Medusa in a town with fog. <laughs> Okay, I've got I've got my where. Okay, I have I have my who. I have one who. All right, so we've come up with it. Uh, us coming up with a campaign begins now. Chris, you have. Uh, why don't you tell us how we're revealing? I have. So the way we're going to do it is we're going to come up with. We're, I have come up with the where, the setting. 
So I will say that first, and then we will fill it in with Neil's who, the whatever it is that our players are going up against or interacting with. And then we will round it out with Mitch's what, whether it's an item or whatever it is in this scenario to kind of create. And then from there, I think we can shape it um, however we want into um, a fun story. So yeah, the location that I have selected for us to create a one shot or to start a campaign or whatever it is, is our players are traveling on a dense jungle path. That is the location for deep our, in the jungle, deep in the jungle. So Neil, what are, sorry, who are our <laughs> players coming across on a jungle path? Cool. So this totally works. It's <laughs> perfect. Um, so the, the who I have is a tiefling rogue who besets the party because they are technically not alive anymore and they are seeking the party's help to remedy that situation. Okay. Uh, so they are some sort of undead tiefling in the jungle. And the, what I have is that a cursed item is corrupting the leadership. So we've got deep in the jungle. You guys are away from civilization you come across an undead of some sort tiefling and is so yeah i guess the question is is he the one that is corrupted by the item is he the leader or is he telling you about a leader i think a really easy thing to say is like weird things happen in jungles and it feels like something undead or whatever it might be these players may have somehow stumbled into the fey wild at some point that they didn't know about, like maybe this is like a really weird deep path that they've um, now come across this tiefling who's maybe either also lost in the Feywild or whatever. I mean, that's one idea that I have for where it could lead. Well, my thought was what if the tiefling, I mean, so I said rogue, so there's two versions, either they have intentionally or unintentionally, but either way they are in the possession of this cursed item. Mm. So were they tasked to take it away Mm. because it was corrupting everyone or did they steal it and now have been corrupted themselves and are seeking help from the party uh, to try and remedy that situation? Yeah. Yeah. The tiefling has got to play an important part. Uh, So either he, he stole the item, she stole the item or perhaps uh, they were the one that brought the item in the first place. Um, and then they were, yeah. they were killed and brought back to life as a minion or something. But yeah. Undead cursed item corrupting the jungles. Done. We've done it. <laughs> we just want to take a moment to thank all three of us for coming on and talking about these <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Yes. All right. So we have given you our ideas uh, and we came up with one at the end uh, together, uh, which was definitely the most bonkers idea, uh, which maybe that's the one that you really want to run with. So in next episode, we are going to have another creation inspiration episode. And for that one, we're going to have the other members of the Block Party Podcast Network. So we're going to have from Detentions and Dragons, we're going to have Matt and Josh on, and we're going to have from... uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Kurt on to share with you their uh, three ideas each. And then together, they're going to go through the same pains as we did coming up with one all together. So 
I look forward to that. I look forward to hearing that. I hope all of you guys do as well. So yeah, if you've liked what you've heard today, we would really love for you to go onto your podcatcher of choice and leave a five-star review and a rating or whatever the highest equivalency is for a rating on that podcasting catcher. That would be great. We would love that. We'd appreciate that. It helps us get out and help more people uh, by being heard by them. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And there you can see when new episodes come out and anything else that we uh, publish on there. Uh, As always, the Dungeon Masters block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can listen to other shows like Geek Wars, Detentions and Dragons, and Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. Uh, And that's it for this episode. (laughs) Go, you go. (laughs) That's it for this episode of the Dungeon Masters block, the place we come together to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. Have a good night, everyone. Uh, We'll leave the light on for you. And remember to always keep on dungeon mastering. Are you doing like Motel 8? We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6, yeah. I have a bunch of them written down somewhere that were like (laughs) super random um, sign-offs. Where where did I have those? (laughs) Stay classy, blockheads. See you, space cowboys. And that's the way the dice roll. I don't think I should do the intro because I'm the worst Mitch Connolly. (laughs) Chris is changing his name. <laughs> Wait for it. Man. <laughs> Great. There's no average. They're just best, meh, and worst, leading me to believe that even the best might be somewhat meh. Ah. Well, there we I go. was going to put mediocre, but then I couldn't remember how to spell mediocre, mediocre so I was like, also- meh. You know, Sounds worse than the, average. The, be- the best part is at the end of this that this is what all the Zoom tracks are going to get named. Like when it comes out into the files. <laughs> and the best part is the best part is if I don't log out of this account and use a different one, the next Zoom call that I go into is just going to be Matt Mitch Connolly. <laughs> and whoever I'm That's talking great. with is going to be like, "What? Have you met the best like Mitch Connolly? In- yeah, I wasn't impressed. I- yeah, you definitely don't want to meet the other two. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.